This is Dennis Ramondi. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg, author of American Veda. Our subject matter, contemporary spirituality, our guest today, uh, Jim Burklow. He has been a mindfulness practitioner and teacher for nearly 40 years, and he serves as the Associate Dean of Religious Life at the University of Southern California in Los Angeles. He is an ordained United Church of Christ pastor. Uh, Jim, thank you so very much for taking the time to come on our show today. Thank you for having me. Jim, um, let's uh, begin by giving our listeners a little bit about your uh, background and what brought you to the work you're doing and the uh, book that was just published called Mindful Christianity. Um, you, in looking at your bio, you, you, you had a rather conventional religious training. You have a Master's in Divinity from a Theological Seminary in San Francisco. You were ordained by the United Church of Christ, but you uh, you have gone in an unorthodox direction. <laughs> and um, I'm curious, and I'm sure our listeners are, uh, what that uh, course of evolution was like for you, and what uh, moved you in different directions. Yes, well, in, in a sense, actually, it's very orthodox to be uh, pursuing mindfulness in the context of Christian spirituality, and that became more obvious the deeper I got into this subject, Phil, uh, uh, as I uh, explored the mystics and the uh, spiritual masters of Christianity afresh and read new ones, new to me, I should say, uh, ones that I had not explored in the past, I became more convicted of that, of the uh, the orthodoxy, the uh, the deep tradition that uh, surrounds mindfulness within Christianity. But my own path got going um, around mindfulness when I was in theological seminary. Um, I guess the uh, uh, administration of the San Francisco Theological Seminary divined somehow that I wasn't uh, a terribly... Uh, uh, conventional type of student, and so they placed me with an even more unconventional student by the name of Ken Meese, and he had spent a year and a half in a Tibetan Buddhist monastery in Nepal, mm. and he was uh, deep into Buddhist practice, and uh, he told Lama Yeshe, his, his uh, lama, that he wanted to be a monk, that he wanted to be a Buddhist, and Lama Yeshe said, well, no, actually, what I think you should do, you're an American, you've got freckles, you know, go home. <laughs> go home, uh, go to a Christian seminary, and be the most enlightened Christian that you can be. Wow. Yes, sir, he said, and, and got himself into the seminary and wound up as my roommate. I go, okay, I think I need to take advantage of this opportunity. So I said, teach me everything. And so every morning, you know, I would get up first at the crack of dawn. We go go up to the Christian seminary's chapel with the stained glass streaming through, and and uh, sit on the floor and do vipassana meditation. Mm-hmm. And that got me started in on uh, mindfulness practice. And I've been at it ever since. Uh, practicing it and teaching it in the context of churches primarily over those years. And uh, then at Stanford University, led a group that did mindfulness practice for years, and now here I am at USC. So when I got here, I immediately, for my own benefit, I need to belong to a group. Mm 
So if I can't find one, I make one. So I started one here at USC, and then uh, a practice group. And then later, my boss and I, Varun Sony, Dean of Religious Life here, um, decided that we wanted to start a mindfulness program at the university and go big with it. So we now have uh, mindful.usc.edu, and you can look it up and see what we're up to, but we now are training about 800 faculty, staff, and students each year in uh, five-week mindfulness courses, free courses that we offer on campus. Oh. And it's become a very big deal. So that's just the classes. We also have practice groups. We have research. We have uh, a contemplative pedagogy faculty group, which I co-lead. And uh, it's a pretty robust program. So you know how it is. You, you teach something, you better know it. So I just got deeper into my practice uh, in the course of all this and began to reflect on on this whole question of how mindfulness shows up in uh, Christian mystical tradition. And that's what led me into the study mm -hmm. that led to this book. And I learned so much. It was a really wonderful time of study to prepare for this project. Jim, uh, wonderful. Yeah, you've been at uh, mindfulness for uh, 40 years as a practitioner and teacher. Uh, for me, uh, mindfulness has become, the term mindfulness has become more and more popular in the last 10 years. Certainly now it's extremely popular all over. Uh, did you mm -hmm. always refer to what you were involved in spiritually as mindfulness, and how would you define mindfulness? Well, that's a terrific question, and, and, a, and a, that's an educated question there, Phil, because... <laughs> Yes, uh, when I started out, <clears throat> it was just, uh, you know, meditation. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, it was only later, as mindfulness became uh, the coin of the realm, um, the term of art, if you will, about uh, a very specific kind of secular practice of meditation, that uh, I began to use that term myself. Um, so, yes, it, it represents the secularization of uh, of this type of practice, uh, you know, you, as your uh, as your book indicates, uh, so uh, so masterfully, um, you know, the, the practices of the East came to America, and uh, and then they morphed uh, as a consequence of their contact with our culture. And uh, uh, secular mindfulness certainly is a representation of that uh, that process. So, Jim? yeah, go ahead. And and that's so. I think uh, you know the the gist of my book is this: that uh, mindfulness has been liberated from religion, as evidenced by that process that you pointed out. Uh, now it's time for religion to be liberated with mindfulness. I'd love you to expand on that, and uh, maybe this question will uh, trigger uh, an elaboration. Um, do you think anything is lost when a practice rooted in a, a venerable tradition like Vipassana becomes uh, secularized and um, uh, essentially, uh, in many cases, medicalized? <laughs> yeah, nicely um, put. Yeah. Um, uh, do you think anything is lost? Uh, in, in that adaptation, and then when it becomes absorbed by a different uh, 
a spiritual tradition, as in uh, mindful Christianity, is anything then changed, lost or gained? Well, I would say yes, something is lost, and yes, something is gained. Uh, kind of starting backwards here, I'd say that, you know, first of all, the the uh, the premise of the book is that, in fact, mindfulness has been in Christianity all along. It's nothing new to Christianity. Awareness of it in the current era um, uh, is a new thing for a lot of Christian people who are simply have no knowledge whatsoever of the incredible mystical tradition of, of, the, of the faith. But once you start looking for it, it's there. Oh, is it ever? And, uh, and I believe that uh, Christianity and the other religions are, are very powerful, beautiful, uh, rich containers or vessels for, for, this, uh, for the experience that uh, emerges from mindfulness practice. So you have uh, the, you know, the, the Vipassana certainly um, is in that category of giving a, uh, you know, a very, you know, in the case of Vipassana, it's like that's a rich, deep spiritual psychology that's, you know, the huge literature and, and uh, many manifestations. Uh, so it's, it's just a, uh, it enriches the experience of mindfulness, it contextualizes it, and uh, uh, the breadth of spiritual practice, uh, yeah, that's, it's a, uh, uh, it adds a great deal to, to have a religious context for it. However, uh, at the same time, the beauty of secularized mindfulness is that it makes it accessible to people who, who for very good reasons, quite often uh, have phobias about religion or uh, bad experiences or otherwise just it doesn't float their boat, doesn't work for them. Uh, this is a way to have the experience uh, in a way that's more accessible, less scary, less freighted, etc. So, Jim, I have a question along these lines. Uh, would, yeah, um, Dennis. Somebody, would, the actual practice, the actual meditation uh, that is would be practiced by somebody that was doing mindful Christianity be any different than the actual practice somebody who is uh, uh, practicing mindful Judaism or mindful Islam or mindful Hinduism or mindful agnosticism uh, would the practice take a different flavor or form in any way uh, uh, yeah in any of those Another educated question. <laughs> well, I, it, Only a practitioner would be able to ask that question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but but yes, it's it's uh, uh, the answer is it is different uh, in one major regard, and that the, the way I put it is, uh, mindfulness is you know it, again to give the secular definition, it's mindfulness is awareness in the present moment of our thoughts, feelings, emotions, sensations, urges. Uh, releasing judgment about those experiences and welcoming them, uh, being open to them with warmth, love, compassion. That's the secular definition. That's the John Kabat-Zinn kind of definition. Um, now, in my practice, I'll just speak personally, uh, that's exactly what I do. To that, I add another question in this case, and the question is, who is doing the observing? <laughs> or what is doing the observing? Now, um, 
in the Vedic tradition, well, you know, in Buddhism, and they would be like, well, that's that's the moment when you discover no self, right? You you get past the self. Uh, in the Christian context, that's when you discover the capital S self, which is not your personality, not your body, not your definition of yourself, um, not your ego. It's God. It's uh, the divine capital S self uh, that is the essence of your being. And that concept of God, that, that, that way of understanding God and experiencing God, of course, has you know, deep roots in, in uh, the Judeo-Christian and the Abrahamic religions, certainly, and resonances definitely, obviously, in, in Hinduism. So theistic religions um, have a mysticism, mysticisms, I should say, and uh, you will see this mindfulness experience uh, conveyed through that understanding of of, uh, mystical theism, Mm -hmm. where it is God who is doing the seeing, observing, watching with love. Um, And that, that awakening, the knowing of the knower, the seeing of the seer, uh, that is the moment when you have uh, what the mystics of Christianity call contemplatio. That's when you have union with the divine. Jim, this is fascinating. In that one answer, you you uh, cut to the core of three different traditions and um, started to sound there for a minute like more like a, an ad, Advaita Vedantist than a uh, <laughs> than a Christian or a Buddhist, and and uh, I I've always felt uh, people make too much of the division, what uh, perceived division between Buddhism and Christi- and um, mm-hmm. Hin- Hinduism, and certainly with Christianity. But that it begs a question. Um, many times I hear mindfulness practice um, described. Um, um, there's a focus on, well, a focus on focusing and, uh, and, uh, and being, being yeah. present with an experience, which seems to me to be oriented around, uh, some, uh, object of experience, a sensory mm-hmm. object, the mm-hmm. breath or whatever. And you talked about, um, the, uh, what in, in the Vedic tradition we call the, the witness of those experiences. Yes, so it's a, right. a kind of transcendence of the sensory experience. Is that um, typical uh, piece of mindfulness practice, or is that something um, that's less common in, in its usual, uh, the usual way it's taught? Well, I think the witness, um, the taking the position of the witness is, is pretty fundamental to to secular uh, mindfulness practice. Um, understanding the divinity of that witness or the, mm. the identifying that witness position with, uh, in, in religious terms, uh, that's left out of, of uh, secular practice, and for good reason, again, you know, because of people's resistance to religion generally uh, you know, that, that, and the suffering that religion has caused a lot of people. So entirely understandable why why that works better to leave that out for a lot of folks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but within the context of Christianity it's it, you know a pretty central thing you know, it's, it's the uh, that's the goal state of, of uh, 
mystical spiritual spirituality and uh, and uh, and Christianity. Is, Dennis, is can I follow? Up? Yeah, go ahead. Can go I ahead. follow up on that? Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I'm curious now where the the Christ piece of mindful Christianity comes in. Right. When I, I'm, there's parallels here with, uh, and you probably know this, with um, uh, centering prayer. Yes. Um, where um, essentially uh, mantra meditation kind of practice was mm-hmm. adapted to uh, contemplative prayer, but they there's an element of deliberate Christianizing of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. and, and I wonder if that's, if anything similar uh, takes place in the um, adaptation of uh, essentially Vipassana or secular mindfulness practice into yeah. the Christian yeah. context. Well, that, that's, a, uh, uh, that's, a, that's a great uh, question. Um, what I would say is that what I discovered in the course of researching for this book is that, in fact, you know, mindfulness is just part of Christian mysticism, and always has been. It's, it's no news. It's just there. It's it, it's built in. It's uh, it, so there's no adding on, or, or uh, it's not a matter of of uh, uh, Christianizing Vipassana here. Mm-hmm. The, the the actual fundamental essence of Vipassana, the the the, the kernel concept there is uh, is is in christian mystical history it's it's no news you know? mm. as like you know saint augustine was uh, was a, a quote attributed, attributed to him by the, by saint john of the cross and many others I, i'm not sure that he actually said it <laughs> but uh he's credited with saying you know uh, lord let me know myself and and i will know thee mm. If I know myself, I will know God, and that's all over Christian mysticism. It's like the way to know God is to know oneself. It certainly is woven into the Gnostic tradition very deeply. Uh, Gospel of Thomas makes reference to this. Uh, that you know, that, uh, if you don't know yourself, you can't know God. That's mm-hmm. that, that's knowing knowing yourself leads to the knowledge and the encounter with God. Uh, Jim, so it's, it's no news. Yeah, Jim, to follow up on this, well, I, I assume when you teach uh, mindfulness at, at uh, USC, where you are yeah. the uh, Associate Dean of Religious Life, it, it is presented in a secular way that anybody could come, yep. doesn't matter if you believe. That's right. Now, if one of those uh, 800 people that uh, you instruct every year were to ask, what's the end goal of this? Uh, what, what would you, uh, how would you answer that? Well, I say that the goal state of the practice that we do at Mindful USC is uh, is awareness of your thoughts, feelings in the present moment, without judgment and with warmth, with love. That's the goal state, and uh, mm-hmm. that's it. That's all there is to it. Now, uh, again, I think uh, uh, you know my my viewpoint is that um, that is exactly what a lot of people need and want. And that's as far as they want to go, and that's hard enough to achieve. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's its own project. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a real serious discipline to to get there and to stay there and to make that part of your life and build it into your way of looking at the world. Um, now, you know, for some folks uh, who have had a, a religious background or do have some kind of religious commitment, they begin to ask the question, 
and this is part of the reason I wrote the book, they began to ask the question, how does this experience that I'm having, how does this fit with my, with my religion, with my, my spiritual, uh, with my religious tradition, my faith tradition? And that's where this book comes in. It's like, hello, there, you know what? It does fit. It's always fit. Mm-hmm. It's integral to Christian mysticism all the way back. And how does it? How does the um, the person of Jesus fit in? Uh, well, Jesus uh, spent forty days in the desert. You know, we're right. Today is the beginning of Lent. It's, That's uh, right. It's Wednesday. So right. uh, I saw people with little one. black crosses on their forehead. Do I remember? That's that? right. I got a. Yeah. I got one on my forehead. Right. I was uh, out there imposing ashes myself today. So. Um, so yes, today begins Lent, and mm-hmm. uh, we remember Jesus' 40 days in the desert. What was he doing out there in the desert by himself? Now the, the gospel myth says uh, that he was tempted by the devil. Temptation in this context is uh, a pretty specific thing about um, uh, coming to terms with who you are and who you aren't. So Jesus is... is going through this challenge, am I, am I Superman? Can I jump off, jump off the top of the pinnacle of the temple and not be harmed? Can I turn that stone into bread because I'm hungry? No, 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 I'm not Superman. No, I'm not my body that is hungry. That's not me. So it's the via, he's going through the, the via negativa, the, the negative way of figuring out who he really is, coming to, you know, realizing that his smallest self is not really who he is. That's not the center of his life. It's uh, the divine capitalist self, at which point he's aware of his divinity and uh, goes on to do his, his ministry after that time. So this goes all the way back to Jesus. Then you have St. Paul who says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. Galatians 20, chapter uh, verse 2. No, 2 verse 20. Got backwards. Anyway, it is no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives within me. That's mysticism. That's, that's uh, knowing that your true self is the divine. And uh, Jesus got there by uh, what I would call a mindful practice out there in the desert for 40 days. Very good. Jim, um, you're also associated with something called progressive Christianity. Yes. Can you tell tell us a bit about that and how yeah. mindfulness fits into that? Yes, I'm uh, very involved in uh, progressivechristianity.org, and I'm also uh, super involved in a group called Progressive Christians Uniting, pcu-la.org. Uh, so yeah, the progressive Christian movement is is the idea. It's a it's a perspective on Christianity that says that we're about our deeds and not about creeds so much. We're, we're defined by our deeds and not by dogma doctrine. We are about the religion of Jesus, not so much the religion necessarily about Jesus. We're about uh, practice, about spiritual practice as opposed to correct, some kind of correct dogma or doctrine. Uh, we also, most of us, I think, in this movement have kind of moved beyond the supernatural concept of God. So we're looking at God as one with nature. God is the process of creation and 
uh, generativity in the universe. Um, so it's a it's a theological perspective. It's a social perspective. Our our churches that are part of this movement uh, are fully open and affirming. We do you know perform gay marriages and, mm-hmm. and uh, have a uh, big focus on peace and justice and uh, and respect for other religions. Pluralism toward recognizing other religions are as good for others as ours is, is for us or right. can be at least. Right. So the way that fits with mindful Christianity is. Mindfulness is about paying attention to what is. It's looking at what is um, with as clear of an eye as we can. Right. And if we're looking at what is, then we part of what we're looking at is the religion itself. Mm-hmm. What is going on with our religion? What is the nature of it? Uh, what is the nature of our tradition? And that leads that kind of searing, honest examination loving, non-judgmental, you know, non, you know, a, a view of our religion that, that lets go of preconditions and pre-definitions leads to an awareness that Christianity is one of many paths to uh, awareness of God, and it is uh, a human creation that's constantly evolving and changing, and that's a good thing, and uh, that our scripture is holy because of the intentions we bring to it. Uh, it is not to be taken literally. It is to be employed creatively uh, as the mystics always did in Christianity. Mm-hmm. The mystics of Christianity had really basically no interest in a literal reading of the Bible at all, ever. And uh, progressive Christianity looks at the Bible that way as well. A rich treasure trove uh, that can be interpreted in many, 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 many ways. Mm-hmm. So, Jim, I wanted to ask you, uh, in progressive Christianity, is there any role, is there a role, if any, for prayer? Or would the mindfulness... Oh, absolutely. How, yeah, would, and that's how where... Would, how that's would what, prayer be different than the mindfulness uh, practice? Well, uh, in, in, and that's the... Uh, what I reveal in the book is that prayer and mindfulness are the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness is... Is prayer uh, uh, mm-hmm. Christian mindfulness is prayer in the sense that the goal state is is uh, aware is knowing the knower is seeing the seer as uh, uh, Teresa of Avila, the 16th century Spanish mystic, she said, "Mira que le mira, see that you are seen, know the knower, you know, uh, uh, see the seer." So that is what happens in you know, this uh, prayer in this context, in the context of Christian mystics all the way back, has not been about asking some supernatural deity to intervene in, on your behalf necessarily. It is about uh, contemplatio, which is uh, the direct experience of union with the divine. So, yeah, pr- prayer is uh, elevated beyond. Uh, you know, putting in a request. It's uh, it's it's the actual encounter and awareness. It's the awareness of one's true center of one's being, mm. and and communion with that mm. that being. Jim, in uh, Progressive Christianity uh, website and in your um, uh, your uh, personal website on, on Mindful Christianity, there are. At, 
at at the very least allusions to um, the inner life of of uh, that you're advocating and um, social justice uh, yes. work and advocacy. Um, you're at a major university. Yep. Um, and uh, a very diverse university. Uh, among the young people you work with in the Department of Religious Life, um, how do you see that generation shaping up in terms of spirituality and um, their responsibility as citizens? Well, uh, as we speak, um, with the uh, beginning of the Trump era, it, it's, things are changing very, very rapidly in terms of students uh, awakening to the uh, the critical uh, requirement of every citizen to be engaged with uh, political life. And uh, I, I would say that this university kind of tended to be have a lot of apathetic students when it came to matters political, but that is. Uh, rapidly changing to say the least so uh yeah there's an awakening uh to to the need to be civically engaged not just in terms of charity but in terms of social structures politics economics the larger scale forces at work so uh students are more than ever as we speak uh trying to find a way to put their faith into action and uh understand how their faith uh, motivates them to be engaged and, and uh, yeah there's there's a lot going on much I could discuss there particularly in the realm of Christianity because what I hear over and over and over again are students who are uh, evangelical Christians who are just horrified that their parents voted for Donald Trump mm. uh, so there they're, they're, there's a crisis of faith going on mm -hmm. among young evangelicals who are mm -hmm. Mm. You know, some did vote for, you know, we have students here who voted for Trump, of course, but but I would say, you know, not many, you know, percentage-wise, and not even that many of the evangelical Christian students, their their parents voted 80% for Trump, but um, mm -hmm. roughly, but uh, the students, the younger folks, that's not the case, so mm -hmm. uh, there there's a literally a panic among young evangelicals about this like how can i can i even call myself a christian anymore if this is what people are doing and, and mm. a mm. horror a horror of this and uh, so yeah it's getting people to figure out what uh, what their faith has to say about these issues and uh go deeper and um yeah look at it a different way so i'm having some very very rich discussions uh, now, some of this is already in play, particularly around the gay lesbian, you know, but LGBTQ, because uh, uh, young evangelical Christians, are, they just don't understand what the big fuss is about gay and lesbian. It's like, so big deal, you know, God made people that way, and what's the problem? Mm -hmm. But their leaders, their leaders are still, you know, fighting the culture war on that one. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a generation gap within certain, a huge, major tectonic thing going on there. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that leads young people to to question everything, you know, like mm -hmm. theological, not just the social issues, but 
look at their theology again in a new way and ask new questions. So it's a, it's a very intense time right now around those topics. Jim, thank, thank, you. thank you so much for your time today. I'd like you to tell our listeners one more time the title of your book and if any other uh, final points you'd like to make or fill anything else you'd like to ask. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, just a, a, again, it's, it's uh, uh, Mindful Christianity uh, is the book and my website, mindfulchristianity.org, which is a portal into this, uh, this way of, of, of uh, spiritual practice. And again, it's it's uh, the awakening that that uh, that uh, that this mindfulness, as we define it in a secular way, has always been woven into seamlessly part of Christian spirituality. Rediscovering that, bringing it to light, uh, really creates richness uh, both for Christianity uh, and also for mindfulness. Mm-hmm. As Very an experience good. and a practice itself. Great to be with you. Thank you so much for Thank Thanks, Jim. Thank Keep up so the good work. All righty. Take care. Take care. Bye bye.